Yeah. The other statement is uh, that um, to renew your mind, and you need renewal of mind, especially when things are not going well. That's when our minds default to a certain way of thinking, a certain way of reacting. So to renew your mind, especially in difficult circumstances, I'll write it down so you can write it down. I, I, okay, we shall go back to our default mode, which I'm looking forward to. I have decided that in difficult circumstances, I have decided that in difficult circumstances, I will renew my mind Thanks. I will renew my mind by discovering by discovering the Father's heart. and affection for me. So these are the two statements you can ponder on this week. The first one was, uh, God deals with me God deals with me as he deals with Jesus. These are the two statements we have. So ponder on it during the week. It's really helpful. One, God deals with me as he deals with Jesus. I'm just fascinated that the Father deals with me just as he deals with Jesus. We are on the same footing. And then the second one is that I have decided that in difficult circumstances, this week and going forward, I will renew my mind by discovering the Father's heart and affection for me. That's how the mind is renewed. You can read the word and yet walk away not having your mind renewed because you do not believe, because you haven't discovered the Father's heart for you and you haven't discovered his affection for you. So you can still walk away after reading the word with your mind unrenewed. It does say that the word renews your mind. But you have to know the Father who wrote those words so that you are able to receive those words in a way that is astounding. So in your difficult circumstance this week, whatever your situation is, uh, renew your mind as in begin to think afresh by discovering, exploring the Father's heart for you, knowing that He deals with you just as He deals with Jesus, and trying to locate yourself in His aff aff affection. It helps deal with really difficult circumstances well. Because otherwise what happens is your mind immediately kicks into those usual places you've been going to for the last 20, 30, 40 years, depending on how long you've been alive. Yeah? Okay, that's on the side. 
So we were talking about the kingdom and we'll be stuck in the kingdom for a while. And I'm so looking forward to being stuck in the kingdom. So um, today we talk about, uh, so what's the gospel of the kingdom or the good news of the kingdom? The Bible talks about that often, so today we'll go down that route. So let's begin by defining the kingdom. Uh, we've done this before, but every time we define it, it gets better. So the kingdom is the rule the control, the influence of the king, influence of the king over his domain. The rule, the control, the influence. So when we say rulership or kingship, we don't understand it because most of us have lived in democratic nations most of our life. So trying to define rulership or kingship, and one of the ways to define it is his rule, his control, his influence. Meaning it's not... I lived in Bahrain for a while. Bahrain has a king. And it's very different from here. Like right now... Uh, the rule in Bahrain is if you're not if you don't have uh, uh, if you're not fully vaccinated, you cannot go to restaurants, you cannot enter govern, government buildings, you cannot attend church that is held in a hotel. You cannot. It, there's no question of you saying no to it. it. That's the way it is because it's a kingdom. Let's just pray because surprisingly, this thing is hard to understand and is usually hidden. Jesus had to spend parable after parable after parable trying to explain kingdom. After all these years, we don't have a decent understanding of it. There's a dullness when it comes to kingdom, eh? It's, not, it's, a, it's a dullness that is external, that is sometimes forced upon us. And for whatever reason, we don't grasp it. And I think it's important because this is something Jesus talked about quite often. So let's just pray for us. Father, uh, we want to understand kingdom. And... Uh, I want to acknowledge that there is a dullness about it in our hearts. We've, we've, we've been talking about this for years, but then it becomes a, a teaching that is then shelved because there are other important things that we run after. But this time around, as we explore king and kingdom uh, and the series that we are on, I just pray that you would sharpen our minds and our spirits, our spirits to receive, our minds to understand, and our hearts to then begin to walk in it, O oh God. We need this because this was something you so emphasized and uh, we have kind of lost. We've, we've lost the plot on this one, Father. So Holy Spirit, would, we, would you quicken our minds, hearts, spirits? Would you open our eyes? I ask for all of us. I ask for me. I don't want just understanding. I want to be able to know it like I know certain other things about you. I know your fatherhood quite well. I'd like to know this too. So Spirit of God, as, it, as Paul prays in Ephesians 1, open the eyes of our hearts and minds, quicken our spirits so that we may grasp the enormity of what you said in Jesus' name. And I rebuke and drive away dullness it's an external dullness. It's a devilish dullness that prevents the church from understanding kingdom and a break its strength upon us in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Yeah, so the rule, the control, the influence of the king over his domain. And in, in God's case, his domain is Psalm 24, 1. 
the earth and its fullness thereof belongs to God. So when it comes to this king that we are talking about, his domain, uh, domain is basically the extent of his rule. The extent of his rule. That's what domain means. And the word kingdom is basically the king's domain. That's what it means. And so you take that off and you connect it and it becomes kingdom. So the king's domain. In, in, in the case of Jesus Christ, the extent of his rule is Psalm 24.1 where it extends beyond anybody else's domain. Eh? The entire universe is his domain. And so no king is wealthier than the king of heaven. He owns everything everywhere. In the natural, in the spiritual spheres, he owns everything everywhere. These are things we don't comprehend because our minds can't fully understand it. But imagine this. This king owns everything everywhere in the supernatural realm, in the spiritual realm, in the physical realm. He owns seed, soil, birds, plants, animals, people. And everything is, is in his domain. Everything. And there is no wealthier king than this king. No king is wealthier than the king of heaven. He owns everything everywhere. It just so happens that he's righteous, he's benevolent, he's generous. He's righteous, he's benevolent, he's generous. Guys, don't forget these things. Eh? He's righteous, he's benevolent, he's generous. He's righteous, as in his ways are right. He's benevolent, as in he's kind. And he's generous, as in his kindness shows in his distribution of his wealth. We need to live in a place called... Uh, we, we're not, we, we aren't aiming at plenty. We aren't lame, aiming at lack. They, um, Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 30 verse 9. That don't make me so rich that I forget you. Don't make me so poor that I steal. We live in a place called sufficiency. That's where most Christians live. And I'd suggest there's a better place than that called all-sufficiency. And when you live in all-sufficiency, you don't just have enough for yourself. You have enough to give those that have plenty, and you have enough to give those that have lack. Question is, was Jesus a blessed man? And your answer is? So, you say yes, and when you think of Jesus as a blessed man, you do not think of him as wealthy or filthy rich. And yet your response when I asked the question, was Jesus a blessed man, was yes. But today if you ask Christians what a blessed man is, you're always connected to prosperity. Yet when you talk about Jesus and you ask the question, was he a blessed man, you say yes. Why? Because Jesus lived in a place called all-sufficiency, and he lived there because he knew he had a father who was all-sufficient. Learn to live here and learn to understand that if God deals with you the same way he deals with Jesus, that it is possible to live a blessed life that is all-sufficient and can supply people when they have lack and supply people when there's plenty. The problem with living in sufficiency is you are taken care of. The great thing about living in all-sufficiency is you are taken care of and you take care of others. And it is because you're deeply rooted in someone called the all-sufficient one. Never, never not think that 
being in Christ will not be a place of blessing. If you are in Christ, you must be blessed. If you are in Christ, it is impossible not to be blessed. It is impossible to be in Christ and not be blessed. It is impossible to be in Christ and not be blessed. It is impossible to be in Christ and not be blessed. We do not believe this fully. Because otherwise we'd be shouting, at least whispering amen by now. It is impossible to be in Christ and not be blessed. Amen is a good place to start. But because we connect blessed to money, it screws up everything. But blessed is sufficiency. Blessed is all sufficiency. All sufficiency in every area. We're not talking just about wealth, peace, joy, uh, uh, wants, needs, provision, healing, uh, strength, uh, sight, hearing, uh, direction. That is what you call all sufficiency. Who wants to have wealth here without health? Who wants to have wealth and health here without direction? Who wants wealth, health, and sufficiency without hearing the voice of God and His presence? Who wants it? We're not talking about that. We're talking about all sufficiency. There is something about being in Christ that makes us very distinct. And if we don't think like this, we don't inhabit it. Remember, guys, this is... I know I've said it a million times perhaps. You only inhabit what you think. Why does one inhabit fear? Because one thinks fear. You only inhabit what you think. And we think a certain way by repeating a thought many times. How do you get to a place of fear? By continuously visiting the thought of fear. Visit again and again and again. How do you visit a place of shame? By going back to your past and thinking of a place of shame. How do you visit a place of anger? By going back to a place in your past where it can provoke you to anger. How do you visit this place of all-sufficiency? By going to the all-sufficient one who is giving you statements to selah, to ponder on during the week. Saying, think like this, guys, think like this. God deals with you the same way he deals with Jesus. Any questions? Abundance? Oh yeah, yeah, it's part of it. But I'm so scared of connecting blessedness to abundance. Because that then warps the whole thing when it should be a part of the whole thing. It is not the only thing. It is not the main definition. Because my all-sufficiency should supply anyone who has plenty and anyone who has lack in any area. Joy, love, peace, prosperity, healing, sickness, whatever it be, I should be able to supply. All-sufficiency allows you to supply. Sufficiency takes care of yourself. Christians have to move from sufficiency to all-sufficiency. You don't quantify it. You can't quantify, yeah. You, I mean, how do you quantify someone who's inexhaustible in this? All-sufficient immediately means... Sufficient means just enough. All-sufficient is a whole different term, man. He is called the all-sufficient one. Yep.
Yeah. Yeah, which is so great. So let's assume Diana lives in a part of the world where she has nothing, and May lives in a part of the world where she has everything and I'm God. Okay, so now because she understands all-sufficiency, she is able to take of the all-sufficient one and supply it to the one who has lack. By the one who has understood it, coming and sharing it with you. No, How? Why? Yes. Yes. By learning this principle of all sufficiency. This is what Jesus would teach. In Israel, look at what he says. Man, this is such an old principle. In, in the book of Exodus, he says, doesn't matter where you whether you collect six baskets or whether you collect one basket. At the end of the day, there'll be enough manna for everybody. And, if, yeah, and sometimes you can know Jesus and not know this truth. One of the things we have to do is teach people that whether you live in India, North Korea, or Vancouver, it is possible. It is possible. And guys who are learning this truth are finding out that without Western help, I mean, there's a pastor I ask every week, can I send you some money? Can I send you some money? No. Why? Because he learned it. And what does he do? He distributes it. Last week I asked him, can I send you some money? He said no. And then two days later he called and said, you can send it to this person. While he is learning it, May must supply her need. While Diana is learning it, May should supply her need. 2 Corinthians 9 then borrows from Exodus and puts it this way. I pray that your present plenty will supply someone else's lack, so that neither the one who has much nor the one who has little will have a problem because we will share equitably. I pray God that we become like this. Actually, you guys behave like this. You guys actually behave like this. I'm praying that this will become commonplace everywhere. Yeah. 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 And that's why it's, I'm so insistent that we understand that it's not just money. It's peace, it's joy, it's love, it's healing, it is um, comfort. Wherever there is lack, someone else now begins to supply. This is what all sufficiency looks like. And this our king specializes at. And the greater my heart becomes like God, the greater ease with which I supply. The greater my heart becomes like God, the greater ease with which I supply. Because I'm no longer concerned about my own sufficiency. I do not look towards my sufficiency. I look towards the all-sufficient one and I become a conduit. The moment you look at your sufficiency, know that there will be a limit on how much you will distribute. Or there will be a time where you will say, once I get to this level, I will distribute. Whatever it be, peace, love, uh, money, um, joy, comfort, uh, goods, spiritual gifts. You will, you will wait till you get to a level where you have enough before you supply. I come against that in my life. That may I never wait to have enough before I supply because that is exactly how philanthropy in the world works. I refuse that. I come from a better kingdom 
which does not wait for things to be stable before they distribute. There's something wrong with that. We're just like the world. May there not be our philosophy, eh? That we will only supply once we have taken care of ourselves. Go ahead. Oh, shucks, I'm sorry. I thought you were just resting your hand. I didn't know your hand was up. Okay, go ahead. So how do you deal with that? Um, uh, one if, uh, there are two ways to deal with that. One, when someone keeps harming me as I bless them, three ways of dealing with that. One way, if someone keeps harming me as I bless them, I'll start blessing them from a distance so that I don't get harmed. So instead of going, and going up to Sam and giving him something, because every time I go up to Sam and give him something, he hits me, I'll stand at a distance and supply him. And that is difficult, eh? because he's not showing the gratitude that he should. And now my heart becomes resentful against him. But if Christ is my standard, then now I have to stand at a distance and supply him. So that's one. Second thing is, there are some people that if you supply to, they do not learn how to provide for themselves. So now I have to, while I'm supplying him, learn to help him provide for himself so that the supply is not cut off, but he also learns to provide for himself because he has to be one that has to supply someone else too in the future. And the third one is that I am so connected to the all-sufficient one that exploitation is no longer a word in my dictionary. I've told you the story of how I used to go to a home in Bristol. The guy owns a candy shop. And every time uh, guests come, his kids come with pockets full of candy. And they start distributing it. I'm talking about like good candy. <laughs> like the stuff that grown-ups would go for. And he... They, yeah, they, they start distributing it, and some take advantage. Like some of the kids will go, and instead of taking two, will put their little fists and grab more than a grown-up can grab, and then put some in their pockets and mouth and go grab another. Total exploitation. But these kids don't know what it is to be exploited because their dad owns the candy shop. So all they do is go into a secret room and fill their pockets and come out again. Why? Because they have found that when it comes to candy, they have an all-sufficient father. Where they've lost the sense of exploitation. What a marvelous place to live in. Where it doesn't matter how much peace you take from me and leave me in turbulence, I seem to have this constant supply of peace. It doesn't matter how you beat me up, I still find this place called joy. It doesn't matter that I was healed of something yesterday and then there's something else happening today. I know that I can go get more. It doesn't matter that I gave money away and you turned around and slapped me. I know where it lies. It doesn't matter where uh, you may have uh, trodden upon the love that I showed with much grace. I go find more so that the one that is loved now has the ability to love. 
This is the magical place we are supposed to live in in Christ. Yep. Yeah, there might be places like that. But I would say our problem is not God saying no, our problem is us saying no. Yeah. Our problem is enough. I don't want anything to do with Sam, that guy. Now I understand why he doesn't come back next Sunday. <laughs> Sorry, man. And I think to myself, I'm not, I've got nothing to do with Nick anymore. Like, <laughs> Guys, this is the kingdom we live in. This is important to understand. It's important to understand. I'm mean, moving towards it, eh, guys? We have it in our midst. I'm fascinated by how you meet each other's needs. I, I hear about it two months later. And it, it, it just, in an odd way, puts me to shame. Because I heard and I didn't react. And you heard and you took care of it already. It's fascinating. But now it must begin to spread. Because the thing with the kingdom is, guys, God's kingdom actually is the entire earth. He owns all people, not Christians. He owns all people. They have disowned him, but he owns all people. And he's already paid a price for their ransom too. So his kingdom is not limited to Christians. His domain is Psalm 24 verse 1. And a day will come when the kingdoms of the world that have taken people captive, as they held us captive till some years ago, will become the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. So when we talk about kingdom, we are talking about the rule, the control, the influence of the king over his domain. And why does he uh, exert rule and control and domain over? Um, why does he exert rule, control, and domain? Uh, rule, control, and um, what's the third word? Influence over his domain because he wants to impact it with his personal will. with his nature, with his value system, with his culture, so that the king's glorious, as in majestic splendor, glorious nature and desires may be accomplished. So the reason he uh, exerts over his domain, his rule, his control, his influence, the reason the king of heaven exerts his rule, his control, his influence over his domain is because he wants to impact it with his personal will, his personal purpose, his personal intent. And he will have his way, guys. He will have his way. He's not a day late on his plan. 
He will have his way. Everything about him is on time. God is both in charge and in control when he wants to. God is both in charge and in control when he wants to. He can switch on the turbo switch like anytime he wants. He's in charge. He lets you control your own life. But man, there are times when he thinks enough is enough. History needs to change. He flicks a switch and everything changes in a second. A despot, a tyrant, a king who was causing havoc disappears from the face of the earth overnight. The world in its pride is humbled to its knees by a virus that is smaller than the head of a pin. He can do anything he wants, whenever he wants. And he exerts his rule, his control, his influence so that he can impact his domain with his purpose, his intent, his personal will, his nature, his value system, his culture. Why? So that the citizens can realize, ah shucks, this king has a glorious nature and desire. Any questions? Okay, the next thing then is, hey, uh, Evan, do you want to turn on the AC? It's getting kind of humid and warm. The next thing is, this king always wanted his invisible spiritual rule to be expressed physically and visibly here on earth. This is not a new thing. Right from the beginning, this king always wanted his invisible spiritual rule to be physically, visibly expressed here on earth. And that is why he appoints Adam as his regent and sends him on earth saying, show them who I am. He's always wanted this. All this means that he always, if he wanted it, then he also wants it now, guys. This is why Jesus came. And what did Jesus preach? The only thing he preached is, uh, I want to invite you into a kingdom. I want to invite you into a kingdom. I want to tell you that the kingdom is near. I want to tell you the kingdom is here. I want to invite you into a kingdom. He always wanted it to be physically, visibly expressed through man. And therefore he appoints Adam. Genesis 1.28 is a kingdom mandate. Listen guys, I'm putting you here on earth so you can rule on my behalf. Everything I place under you. Now go. Rule, multiply, go forth, uh, subdue. Go. He's always wanted this. And then Satan comes and steals it. Sometimes when you read scriptures and you suddenly pops, it's crazy. Go to Matthew 25 verse 34 and you'll suddenly realize that this has been God's idea for a while. Before you go there, let's go somewhere else. Guys, um, sorry. Uh, Satan stole what was God's intent by deceiving Adam and Eve. He stole it. What did he steal? He stole a kingdom. Satan stole a kingdom. He offers it back to Jesus. Listen, if you bow before me, I'll give you back the kingdoms. He stole a kingdom. Jesus then comes to restore it. And it's beautiful. 1 Corinthians 15, I think verse 23 or something says, and a day will come when all the enemies of God will be made his footstool. And then Christ having received the kingdom in its entirety, the, everything is consummated, he will take the kingdom and he will place it before the Father and he himself will bow before the Father. That is how this ends. It starts with a kingdom, it ends with a kingdom. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 
verse 23, 24. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23, 24. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 23. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his foot. Let me read it again, 15, 23, and 24. But each in turn, uh, sorry, 24. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. So our purpose while we are on earth is to inhabit the domain that belongs to God and influence the domain with the culture and the values of heaven. Let me see. Inhabit the domain of the king. Influence the domain with the values and cultures and culture of the kingdom. This is what we are called to. It was Jesus' passion to do this, eh? to establish the kingdom, the Father's kingdom here on earth. Um, um, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. This is the prayer he's teaching his disciples. Listen, I want you to learn how to pray this. Talks about the Father and how he is holy and then immediately goes into his express purpose. I have come here so that I might bring the Father's will here on earth and establish his kingdom. Hi, Jacob. Hi, Phoebe. Yeah, so, no, we are saying that the domain of the king is the world, and we are in this saying that we are to influence the world with the values and cultures of the kingdom. Guys, the difference between the church and the kingdom is this. The kingdom is, you enter the kingdom by being born again. Born again is just the entry level thing. It is just the door. You enter the kingdom by being born again. When you enter the kingdom, you become part of a people. That people is called the church. And the church is supposed to demonstrate the values, the culture, the life, the benefits, the voice of the king. Let me say that again. So, Sheldon, come out. Stand there. He's a pagan. <laughs> and so, uh, I'll make you the good guy. Come, son. <laughs> so, this is Jesus. Okay, so now Sheldon is a pagan, this is Jesus, and uh, we are the church, and this entire place is a kingdom. He can only enter the kingdom by being born again, so he receives Jesus into his life. You can give him a hug or something. 
and now that he has received Jesus into his life, he is born again. When he is born again, he comes into the kingdom. His wife, who was born again some years ago, is finally relieved that <laughs> you can sit down, Sam. Is finally relieved that he is born again. So he now joins the church. When he joins the church, he and his wife begin to demonstrate the life of the kingdom in their home. They demonstrate the life of the kingdom at work. They demonstrate the life of the kingdom. That is how we distinguish the church from the kingdom. The kingdom is the rule of God in lives. Once those lives are born again, they enter the church. Once they enter the church, it is the church that is the crucible in which the life of the kingdom is demonstrated. Our problem is we present Jesus the King as the way through whom we can be born again. We stop there. We do not talk about the kingdom. Let's look at some scriptures. Matthew. Matthew uh, chapter 4, verse 23. Matthew 4, 23. Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. Let me read that again. Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Matthew 9, 35. Matthew 9, 35. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went throughout all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel or the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. This is a, uh, it's not a, Matthew's writing it again, but he's writing it in a different context. Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14. Starting at verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 14. And this gospel or good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Let's go to a parable that Jesus spoke. Matthew 13, 19. Matthew 13, 19. There's a very well-known parable, but look at what it says there. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom or the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So the seeds that are being sown is the message of the kingdom. How come we don't understand this? How come we don't know about it? How come as soon as it falls on the ground, the birds come and snatch it away? How come we've always thought that the seed that is being sown is about being saved? How come we haven't read that it is the word of the kingdom that is being sown? Why did Jesus preach the gospel of the kingdom? Why did he ask us to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom? Go to Matthew 25, 34. Matthew 25, 34. Oi. Matthew 25, 34. 
I was so fascinated by this verse. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. And what is our inheritance? The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Didn't know that. Your inheritance is the kingdom. Take your inheritance. The, last, the, the first words you will hear when you've done well is, Hey, come, well done. Take your inheritance. And what is your inheritance? Your inheritance is the kingdom that has been prepared for you since the beginning of the earth that was stolen away from you by Satan who deceived Adam and Eve. And I've come to restore it. And when you're all done, the, the inheritance you will receive is the kingdom that was prepared for you even before anything started. So what is a kingdom? Don't look at the board. What is a kingdom? The kingdom is the rule, the, cha- uh, the control, the influence of the king over your life, my life, our lives. Why? So that he can impact us with his culture, his values, his lifestyle. Why? So that people may see his splendor, his glorious nature, his glorious intent. Through whom? Through us. To what intent? That they may choose to be part of the kingdom. How do they get to be part of the kingdom? By being born again. What do you mean being born again? Unless you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Most churches are presenting to the world the door. They're not presenting what is behind the door. They present the door saying, this is the door through which you enter the kingdom. But people have no idea what you're entering into because there is no one to tell them what kingdom benefits look like. So what did Jesus do? He says, I'll form a group of people called the church. Christ will be the head of the church. And what will the church do? The church will be a place where my works, my values, my words, my voice, my presence, my benefits, everything will be displayed through a people who will let the world know, hey guys, this is what we do. We show you what the kingdom looks like. We show you what life behind the door looks like. There's a reason why people are not immigrating to North Korea. Because it doesn't matter what kind of brochure you put out from North Korea, you're not going to go there saying, I want to go immigrate to North Korea. You don't do that. People come to Canada, people go to Australia, New Zealand. Why? Because what is presented is a life that is so idyllic among the sheep. Why is this important for us? Because we've got to demonstrate what this looks like in our miserable, measly ways that will improve every day. And it will keep getting better, keep getting better, keep getting better. You on your most miserable day are still better off than one who doesn't have Christ. This, is a, this kingdom was my inheritance created for me before the foundations of the earth. And if you're going to wait till you die to taste it, we begin to explore it now. We come of age now. We move from immaturity to maturity now so that we can be removed from guardianship and given a taste of what our inheritance looks like. In our difficulty, in our decaying world, 
we get to experience it now. Because here's the thing, if you cannot experience it now, you cannot express it to the world. All you can give them is Jesus the gate and a place called heaven. Isn't that what churches do? We present Jesus the way to be born again and we present heaven. Jesus presented the kingdom of heaven. If I do not experience it, I cannot express it. If I cannot express it, you will not see it. Everything in this kingdom is derived from the nature of the Father. Everything in this kingdom is derived from the nature of the Father. Kindness, power, sonship, promise, generosity, healing, abundance, servanthood, everything is derived from the nature of the Father. The nature of the kingdom, be it kindness, be it love, be it abundance, be it healing, be it promise, be it sonship or daughtership, be, be it power, be it generosity, be it servanthood, everything is derived from the nature of the Father. It stems from the nature of the Father. It was made visible to, through Christ. And now the Holy Spirit is like saying, please let me break out through you and show the world the same things that Christ came to show you. So wear it, live it out, wear it every day. Fail at it, but wear it. Fail at it, but wear it. Guys, as much as kingdom citizenship is a spiritual reality, it's a mentality. Huh? It's a mentality. I have to think like this. I knew a guy from, who used to work for Xerox. Um, man, he, he was third or fourth in the Xerox uh, rank. And uh, you should see, he would dress a certain way always. It doesn't matter whether he's coming to church, whether he's coming for a party, whether he's going for work, he would dress a certain way. And when someone asked him why he dresses that way, he says, most people know I work for Xerox and I'm the CFO or whatever. And I have to make sure that regardless of where I go, I represent the company well. That was his way of doing it. But the mentality was stuck. He would dress up a certain way so that nobody could say he wasn't who he was. And I have to think a certain way so that the kingdom is something that I'm consumed with because it did consume Jesus' life. Go to Acts chapter 1 verse... Um, this is another fascinating thing that um, bothered me. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. The first, some of the first verses in the book of Acts and the last verse in the book of Acts are very similar. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. And both were at the end of a person's life. Acts 1, 3. After his suffering, as in after he was crucified and he rose again, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. We're talking about Jesus. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days before he ascends to heaven. And what did he speak about? He spoke about the kingdom of God. 
So his last days were consumed with speaking about the kingdom of God. Now go to Acts 28, verse 31 or thereabouts. Last chapter. Paul is leaving the earth now. Acts chapter 28, verse 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. He taught about the kingdom of God and the king. Why do these two men, in the last years, the last testament of their lives, why are they choosing this to talk about? To evangelize people and bring them to Christ without demonstrating to them what life in Christ looks like is actually doing them a disservice because they'll spend their entire lives here on earth not experiencing anything but waiting for a heaven that they will get to and that is important. But this is why things slow down. So if the kingdom is so great... How come people are not rush, rushing to it? If the kingdom of heaven is so full of promise and provision, how come people aren't rushing to get a hold of it? So here are three reasons why people are not rushing to get a hold of it. One, they have not heard of the message of the kingdom. They have not heard of the message of the kingdom. Two, their minds, their minds are blinded. Their minds are blinded so they cannot see the kingdom. This happened during Jesus' time too. So they cannot see the kingdom. And third, They have heard the wrong message of the kingdom. They've heard the wrong message of the kingdom. So I want, we, we'll try this out with a few of you, just like we tried things out with Sam and Sheldon. We'll have a few of you come out and do this, but I'm going to put in Christianese what the message of the kingdom is, and you have to translate it into Vancouverese. Okay? So here's, in Christianese, this is what the message of the kingdom is. One, God's kingdom has come on earth. Remember what his kingdom is, his rule, his control, his influence. Two, anyone who wants can come. Three, if you do, you will be united to his spirit and become his friend. Four. Anyone who wants to come, as in come to Jesus, 
4. You will be fully restored. You will be fully restored to you will be fully restored to your full position as a son or a daughter. You'll be fully restored to your full position as a son or a daughter or a child of God. Five, you will have the full benefits of citizenship. This is the Christianese version. So I'm going to ask for some volunteers and uh, we'll see how it goes um, uh, if we made this like normal. How do you explain it? So obviously the first one I'm going to pick is Diana. So come Diana. <laughs> I don't know, I just get this sense that you want to. Come. Come, sister, come. <laughs> Revenge is sweet. Come. Yeah. yeah, but this is a teaching moment and you are a teacher. Come. New. <laughs> come. Jane, where do you think you are going? <laughs> Come, Diana, show us how this will be done. So let's pick... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, Nick, so let's assume Nick. Nick, you come up. And let's assume Nick is just... Uh, uh, um, he, he is someone from a Buddhist background who uh, you have been witnessing to, and you want to tell him about the gospel of the kingdom. Come, Diana. At least try it, and then you can tag someone. You can tag someone after you start the process. I truly don't want to answer your questions most of the time, but I do it anyways. Come. It's okay to fail, Diana. Yeah, it's okay to fail. We will remind you of it. Uh, no, you have to make an effort. Go ahead. So how do, we, how do you explain this to... So he's already inquiring about stuff. Can someone give her a mic? So this is recorded. <laughs> Guys, can you turn it on? Okay. Hello? Do you have any math questions? That would be that would guys. Be you're ruining my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Infinity is is. No so he's already inquiring, and you're yeah. trying to explain it to him. Go ahead. I'm I'm not good at this, Nick. I'm sorry. So if you have any questions, feel free to ask. But God has already made a place for you. He's His kingdom is is. 
his kingdom is here and you are invited to his kingdom so you just have to say yes i want to be part of the kingdom that's that's all you have to be and that's jesus is the root of the kingdom he's the door um and god's kingdom which i'm just learning about well more about is his rule god's rule god's intent god's i don't have my notes here there's but but God's purpose and intent is good. He sent Jesus because he, he has a desire for you to know him. He, he sent Jesus so that you can see God in Jesus and you can be in, enter the kingdom. And Guys, it's far much more difficult than you think. Huh? Yeah. It's much more difficult than you think. Good stuff, Diana. Nick, you can still be, you're still not converted. Okay, uh, <laughs> so let's have Emily come up so she can uh, either embarrass herself or show herself off before her mom. Yeah. yeah. This is much more difficult than you think because it's so hard to take these words and make them normal. Yeah, that's why I thought we might as well use this time then send you home to practice it on your own. At least, yeah, go ahead. God existed before the world was made and he'll exist after the world was made and he actually made the world and he made everything in the world and the world has always been his and everything in the world has always been his. So you and me and everybody else we're actually his but not everybody knows that. Um, so he has a son who is Jesus and with Jesus, this God made a way for you and me and everybody else to know that they are his. When Jesus came, he, the message that he told everybody, what he was talking about all the time, was that everything on this earth is God's. And God, want, God is a king, and he wants his kingdom to be shown on earth. So his kingdom is everything that has to do with the way he wants live life to be lived, his righteousness, which is like his right ways of doing things, his culture, his values. Those are all part of his kingdom. And since the whole earth is his, and since he's a king, his kingdom has come on earth. And anybody who wants to be a part of that kingdom can come because of Jesus, his son. Jesus invites us into the kingdom. Um... If you want to be part of God's kingdom, um, you can, if you say yes to being part of his kingdom. Uh, so God also has a spirit, like all of us have a spirit. And he will send his spirit to be with each and every one of us to help us walk in all of the things that he says are good and right. And to hear from him, to be close to him, to experience him, just like you'd experience another person who you're with, um, but even more and even better. So if you say yes to walking in his kingdom, then you also get to walk with his spirit all the time, whenever you want, and be his friend. He will also completely restore you to everything that he made you to be initially. No lost time, no lost opportunities, 
Um, and not even just your own idea of what you wanted to be, but who he set you out to be uh, from the very beginning, because you were planned in his mind from before the beginning of time when he made the whole world, because he wanted you to be his son. So he's actually going to restore you to that original position that he had for you from the beginning. And because you're part of his kingdom, you have full access and full benefits to everything that his kingdom entails. Wow, not bad, huh? You did okay, Cheryl. Okay, so now Nick is converted. And so now Nick is going to tell us, uh, Nick is going to tell Jillian, who's uh, an agnostic, how it changed his life. What happened? How did it change your life when you received this kingdom? And the only catch is now, Nick cannot use the word kingdom. <laughs> yeah, so Jillian, so you cannot use the word kingdom, okay. uh, but you have to say, okay, when you did receive yeah. this king into your life, uh, wh wh how did it change you? What did, what did it mean to be united to his spirit? What was it to become his friend? Uh, what, is, uh, what do you feel like when you talk about being a son? What are the benefits of this kingdom that you've experienced? Because now you're no longer talking about kingdom. You're talking about what actually happened to you so that an agnostic like she can understand. No. So uh, do, I have to, do I have to try to hit each point? No, you can do it any which way you want. Okay. Though this board has... No, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so the story goes that I used to do everything my own way and I made a big mess of my life and essentially um, somebody came and told me about a new way of living and said do you want in and they said that uh, if I um, they said that if I that God has that there is that God has this has this other way of living uh, where everything is everything when when um, God has God Himself is perfect, and and uh, His relationships are perfect, His uh, He's good natured and all these things. And He said, and if you um, if you want to have His life in you, His thoughts and His feelings, then um, you just say yes. You come to Jesus and say, I want to tr I want to trade lives with you, and uh, and then and then He'll do it. And then it just kind of happens like. Uh, it just kind of happens. What happened to you? Uh, so then I started to, um, I started to. Not to worry about it, guys. Um, just take your seats. Uh, not because you weren't doing a good job, but because I'm also realizing that we have to get out of here. Uh, so guys, this is far more difficult than, far more difficult than we think. So in the process of talking about king and kingdom, have you noticed? how the, the prospect of the king dying on the cross for my sins and my acknowledging myself as a sinner has suddenly gone out of the window. And we can't lose that bit because the king of heaven came down to the earth and took on my sins and I have to acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I'm in the need of a savior. And, and this is why the message we convey in the end is so piecemeal that if we don't practice this, 
we will miss out on one element or the other. As an ambassador, people practice what they need to say before they go before a president or this thing, or they write it down. So I need to, on one hand, present the king. I need to present that the king came down to the earth to die for sins and that I am a sinner and I needed to acknowledge that. But that the king came to give me back or restore me to or have me inherit a kingdom. Then I have to tell them that in my experience, this is what it looks like. These are the benefits I presently have. Last week I had a this and then God did this. Uh, um, then I lost this and God did this. The kingdom should be real through my experience. Without my experience of the kingdom, I cannot express either the king or the kingdom. Through my life, I must demonstrate it. And as I do, I'll cover this without knowing. And my point is, guys, it is already here. Liji, you can step into it. May, you can step into it. Jillian, you can step into it. Just like I stepped into it. Our stories are our best shot at this. So we, we weave this into our stories. That I'm united in spirit to God. That I'm a friend of God. That I'm a child of God. That the benefits are real. And you list off the benefits one by one, how God has changed you. And you touch on the benefits at the end. Because this is not a hard sell. The benefits are the byproduct. Try and practice this, guys. If you don't practice this when needed, we will not know what to say and it will be piecemeal. So let me end because you've taken my time. But well done, Diana. Well done, Emily. Well done, Nick. Well done, Jillian. I just wanted to use you to show how difficult it is. How difficult. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Guys, what we don't realize, what we don't realize is that mankind actually lost a kingdom and inside them, they're always searching. They're unaware of what they're searching for. But Adam's sons and daughters lost a kingdom. Had Adam's sons and daughters are always seeking for that. They don't even know it. They cannot put it into words. But there's that empty place inside where there's constant seeking. And the satanic kingdom is supplying them counterfeit goods. We talked about that last week. Instead of uh, submission, we look for power. Instead of um, um, love, we look for lust. Instead of um, th those different things we showed last week. So that's where we are. Instead of responsibilities, we look for freedom. Yeah. I think if someone um, <laughs> this might sound grotesque but a human being who's lost a part of their body will always know that it is missing. Doesn't matter what you put in place. They will always know it is missing. With, a, with the sons of Adam 
you know, sons and daughters of Adam, you know without a shadow of a doubt that they don't know how to say it, but there is something missing, and you're constantly seeking for it. And what they lost is the kingdom and the presence of the king. What we have done is we have divorced the king from the kingdom. And you cannot. So time to show and tell, guys. Time to show and tell not heaven, not even the church, but the kingdom. When you receive the king, you transfer from one, from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. Colossians 1.13. And the church is made up of those that believe in the king and who have decided that they will live by the constitution of the kingdom and will pursue the king's agenda. That's what the church is. The church is a group of guys who have received the king as their lord. They have decided that they're going to live by the constitution of the kingdom, and they've decided that their agenda is to pursue the king's agenda. That's what the church is. And so we begin to demonstrate what it looks like. And we demonstrated where we are at. Some of us are single, some of us are married, some of us are divorced, some of us are poor, some of us are rich, some of us are sick, some of us are healed, some of us are not having a good time, some of us are, some of us have gone through tragic circumstances. It doesn't matter. In our circumstance, we begin to display the kingdom right there. Thrill at your joblessness and display what it is to be someone who is jobless but displays the kingdom. Don did that for one year. Partly because his brother helped him. But <laughs> he did that for a year. In your misery, show the kingdom. Last line. My hope for us as a people belonging to the kingdom is that we clearly, increasingly, and corporately, my hope for us as a people belonging to the kingdom is that we will increasingly, we will clearly, and we will corporately, as in together, reveal the nature the voice, the resources, the benefits, and the glory of this king and the kingdom that is your inheritance. And that we will do this in the midst of suffering and in good times and in a decaying world. Please allow me to say it again. My hope for us, my hope for us as a people belonging to the kingdom is that we will increasingly, clearly, and corporately reveal the nature, the voice, the resources, the benefits, and the glory or the splendor of this king and of this kingdom, which, by the way, is your inheritance, and that we'll do it in the midst of suffering, 
and in good times and in a decaying world here and now this is my hope so wear it well wear it fail at it but keep increasing in it keep increasing in it let them see what it is to have a life that is fathered and owned by a king put it into words put it on display please go home and remember diana and emily and nick and um how it is a struggle when you're put on the spot and how writing it will really help to be able to convey this yeah fuller invitation but following the method of jesus he preached the gospel of the kingdom paul taught the gospel of the kingdom and that involves both king and what you have entered into and it must be demonstrated must be shown through our lives and we are not talking about we talk about values too kindness long suffering forbearance love peace in really difficult times all sufficiency generosity healing supply all these things demonstrated through your lives i was thinking of breaking bread but i think this is enough we'll break bread another time um during the week guys um we are having hub meetings here this week so create a lot of time for healing huh? uh for prayer for healing and let other people in the church know that if they need healing uh to turn up so it doesn't matter which hub is meeting if someone else from timbuktu wants to come timbuktu is another name for coquitlam one who wants to come um <laughs> then um <laughs> uh, then uh, you can come to any other hub meetings the hubs meet here on wednesday and uh thursday and so come and be healed because that's part of the reason yeah sorry yeah two of them meet on wednesday one on thursday yeah so just feel free to come and get healed yeah hey guys i know that it's best to let you go but can you just uh, quietly pray into what we've heard before you leave father um i'm done and we can go but we just want to we just want to really not let the birds snatch away the seed so we just want to take a f- just maybe a couple of minutes to let the seed develop deep roots so that in the scorching sun it won't dry up that the cares of the world that we'll face monday to saturday won't choke it up and that the birds won't snatch it away so i don't know what that looks like but could you help us because you said that whenever the word of the kingdom is preached this is what happens but if this does not happen then you get a 30 60 100 fold
I open my understanding, O oh God, so that this seed will sink deep. The next thing I do is I call to remembrance any one sentence that stood out that I can build around this week. So, Father, we, would you just give each of us a different, any phrase or sentence that stood out that we can then put in the ground and build around during the week. So, could you give each of us a sentence right now? Father, I sense you're saying, go through the sentences and I'll highlight one. So we do that. Father, the third thing you want us to do this week is, you're saying, measure, view, calibrate everything in kingdom terms this week. Measure, view, calibrate everything in terms of the kingdom this week. When you eat, give me thanks saying, ah, the king of this kingdom provides and supplies. When you have a sickness or a pain, say, the kingdom value says that healing is part of the benefits of this kingdom. When you break bread, say that a day will come when the kingdom will be consummated and we will eat together with Jesus. When you leave this place, look at the building I have given you and say, this is an embassy of the kingdom. Calibrate, view, measure everything in terms of the kingdom. Develop a mentality. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys. Time to go. Uh, you can hang around till 2 o'clock and then uh, slowly begin to leave. Uh, the Chinese church is not coming today, so you can stay longer, but we've got to get used to the habit of leaving by 2 so that they can park their cars. Uh, that is one thing. And then um, as you begin to think like this, guys, one of the things that will happen is you'll be proud of the kingdom you belong to. Once you're proud of the kingdom you belong to, you will display it easily. When my house is clean and everything is looking good and all my planes are in place, I put a record on the record player. I've got an old little thing and I play it and I've got no problems who comes home. So I've got these horse pictures on my wall. The room looks beautiful. There's a jazz record playing. My coffee is brewing. You are welcome. You have to leave, but you are welcome. 
And that's how, once you get proud of the kingdom, you'll display it pretty easily. So you can only be proud of the kingdom when you measure, evaluate, calibrate it according to this. Ah, so 